Welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. We've got a great episode for you today, talking with Rob Gelb. He's the co-founder of Kendaba, as well as a Briefing Room and a bunch of other stuff. And, you know, today we really got into it, and there's so much more uh, we could have gone down, but I really want you to check out this episode if you are looking at building a team, uh, if you have a, uh, a remote team or you're going to start a remote team. So this should cover a lot of people listening to this podcast. Check it out. Rob has a lot of experience, uh, a lot of insights into how you can make your remote team kind of tick, uh, work better, as well as the tools he uses and a great recommendation uh, for dealing with communication inside a business. So with that said, let's get into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. I'm Adam Moody, and today I'm talking with Rob Gelb about his background, uh, as well as his background with starting several businesses like Tindaba, Briefing Room, and more, along with the use of automation and team building in today's world and how it can help you, whether you're on your own, leading a small team, big team, whatever it is. So with that, we're just going to dive right into it. Welcome, Rob. Thanks for being here. Thanks very much for having me. Definitely, definitely. Like I said, we're just going to kind of jump right in. Um, I know this is pretty standard, but if you don't mind sharing with us so everyone kind of gets on the same page uh, as much or as little as you're comfortable about your background, kind of your experience so people kind of know who you are, where you're coming from. Sure. Okay, cool. So uh, I am the, I'm one of the founders of Kendaba. It's a private sharing space for, for families. So it's for people who maybe uh, Facebook isn't private enough and WhatsApp is way too noisy. So they use us. So it's a it's free to use. There's no ads. There's no data selling, and it was born out of a personal pain that we that we faced as as um, as founders. Uh, that then we proceeded to uh, get obsessed with validating uh, whether or not other people had that pain as well. So it took us about a year and a half of just talking to other people to realize that it was worth pursuing. So um, before that, I uh, started a a nonprofit project right out of out of university. Uh, that involved uh, living and working on a converted school bus, driving around the U.S. Uh, for a year, um, making interviews about people who are doing positive things in their communities, but who weren't getting a lot of recognition. Um, and uh, along the way, always have had like kind of side projects going on and, and liking to kind of throw myself into the deep end um, when it comes to trying to solve a problem that I don't really know how uh, we're going to go about solving. Um, I, I much prefer that than like, I much prefer jumping into something and uh, messing up uh, a number of times along the way than like to go off and go and read around a subject and, and get really, really well kind of stuck into it, uh, which has its drawbacks and benefits. But um, but yeah, that, that, that's pretty much my background. Most recently, I uh, uh, we we had some time on our hands. So we took a week, three of us took a week, and we decided uh, we'd take a product from zero to revenue in the state of a week. So, and then we, we decided to live stream the whole thing as well. So this past March, which uh, about a month ago, we, uh, uh, yeah, we, we turned on the camera and live streamed ourselves uh, building briefing room. And that's just a simple tool for uh, founders to keep investors and, and stakeholders up to date and to give them cool dashboards and to increase engagement. And we're still working on like some taglines with that, but yeah, that's me. Well, let's start at the end then, because I came in at the tail end of this when I was talking to you via email. Uh, you sent me the link to the zero to revenue. I checked that out real quick, and I think I came in like right about as that was that was tailing off. So do you mind? I'm just curious, and I think everyone else would be. So in seven days, you kind of go from start to finish. How did that, how did that process go, and how did things end up? So uh, we're, 
So it, I, I did it with two others. Mm-hmm. So my, uh, one of my co-founders at Kendaba is named Lizzie. And then another uh, great friend of mine who's the founder of, like a serial founder of SaaS businesses called Ben, um, who I think is the, the, the one who, who put us in touch. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we all had a free week. Uh, we were waiting on, on a, a funding package to come through for, uh, for Kendaba. And uh, we were ha- kind of having like itchy, itchy hands. And, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, anybody listening who, who spends like a majority of their time on one thing um, knows that, that, that they do that because they're passionate about it, but they also have this kind of unmet need or, or, or again, it, itchy fingers or, or whatever you want to call it to try something else. And uh, Kendaba is a, is a, is, is a great product. It's, it's a consumer product. It's pre-revenue. We're going to be pre-revenue for a while. It's, it's usually um, on your phone. And uh, we just had this, this wish to try and build something that was the polar opposite. So uh, something that was very quick to revenue, whereas Kendaba is not going to have revenue anytime soon. Uh, yeah. First place, something that is B2B and not B2C. Um, something that's um, SaaS where it, versus, you know, kind of consumer digital and something that don't that we don't have to worry about people using it on phones because that's a whole headache uh and so yeah we 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 took it as a challenge of wanting to try and build something and show that you could build something and get it to revenue in a week uh it wasn't about trying to to glorify the startup world or the startup process it was really just a an opportunity to 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 see if we could if we could make something work bring people along with us a lot of it was pretty awkward you know awkward conversations and uh, well, I tried to do that and that didn't work um, and things like that, which I'm happy to go through. And then we also had a whole bunch of uh, like guests on to mm-hmm. just talk to us. So we ended up having about 40 speakers uh, talking about their, their backgrounds. So everyone from, you know, makers like Josh Pigford um, to, uh, to investors like uh, Elizabeth Yin. So all on the, 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 the spectrum of kind of founders and ecosystem people. So yeah, that was, that was zero to revenue. Interesting. So, you know, you mentioned itchy fingers or idle hands. And so I'm wondering too, from the, the perspective, it sounds like obviously you clearly prefer to just get going on things, but does this kind of satisfy an itch for you in the sense that instead of doing the pre-revenue long ramp up type of thing with Kandaba, that this gives you kind of satisfaction in another area of just saying, Hey, this was fun. I got to just immediately do something. Definitely. And I, I think that, I mean, Kandaba is the biggest thing I've ever done. And it's a learning process in a whole nother way that, uh, you know, you, you and, and mistakes that you make in a pre-revenue investment required startup are far more expensive than mistakes that you make. And they take longer to realize, I guess, than mistakes that you make in a kind of bootstrap side project type thing. But, um, yeah, definitely. Um, it, 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 it was, it was about scratching that itch, but also kind of just trying to convince ourselves that we could do something. Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing with the with the bus at the kind of very beginning. We we had very very arbitrary KPIs that like sounded <laughs> good, yeah. And then we were like, oh, let's see if we could make those. Let's see if we could we could we could get those done. So we were like, all right, let's do it in a week because that's kind of sounds sexy. Um, and zero to revenue dot com was uh was available, so we bought that. Uh, and uh, let's see if we could make it to revenue. Let's see if we could make it an actual product that that, that people could use. Um, and we were able to do that, which is which is pretty cool. So, but yeah, it, there wasn't a huge amount of forethought aside aside from that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! And on the bus note, you know, anything that gets you traveling around the U.S. in a converted bus to me is a win. So I think that's its own measurement of success right there. Well, I mean, that was again, and and I guess I guess uh, anyone listening might identify with this. It's like. Uh, if you're, if you're at college, you're thinking like, what am I going to do afterwards? Had the option of maybe, you know, becoming a consultant or, or, or doing something like that, but didn't really know what I wanted to do and didn't like the idea of working like 
in an office. Um, so I thought, well, can I design a project that gets me the skills that I need? Um, that is at the end of the day cheaper than like business school because I wasn't emotionally or you know mature enough for for business school and and the idea of staring at spreadsheets all day really kind of pained me and then you know when when I was young I had like two big wishes one is to live in a school bus and one was to live in a castle so I feel like well I'm in Scotland now so my chances of, of living in a castle are, are <laughs> a little higher than, than they're drastically increased um, but then this is an opportunity like okay well why don't we why don't we do something in a in a school bus so um, so yeah it's, it's about like right can I create something that will give me experience that that even if I mess up, that's okay, I still get the experience, but also then furthers a specific goal, a specific target to make it like worth it. So if 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 you're if you're just coming up with an idea for something to try and get experience, but there's no actual there's no actual output to that, like what's the point of it? Um, I find that's a lot harder to get behind in terms of drive. Whereas if you're doing something and you know every time you mess up, it's it's still making you slightly better at XYZ thing and someone else is benefiting from it, then that's a you know, that's a net positive. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's a very good point. Um, so let's, uh, man, I'm going all over the place, but this is great. Um, so going back and now talking about Kendaba, we've, uh, that is a larger team. How many people are totally roughly involved with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, so, so it's, it's still a pretty early stage company, but there are eight of us, okay. uh, and, um, and, and based all over the world. Okay. So everyone is remote. There's no one local to you. So there are people local, uh, okay. but we are, we're remote positive, uh, remote first, whatever you want to call. So, sure. you know, we do have uh, some, some desk space, uh, but we have a, we we're, we're kind of pretty focused on, it, it shouldn't matter where you are, you know, and, and so anybody local wanted to get up, if they wanted to get up and start traveling the world, that um, the work um, environment should uh, be able to accommodate that without, without an issue. So um, I think like, three out of the out of the eight are local um and then uh but everyone else kind of either is based elsewhere or is traveling gotcha and was that something you, you did from the beginning or was that just kind of an emergent thing that said hey everybody wants to kind of be on their own did it from the beginning actually um so so originally it was very broad like hey anyone anywhere should be able to work with us and we're completely asynchronous and you know life is great and uh we we've changed our kind of thinking around that uh but the the thought was especially being based in scotland like the 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 cost of of labor up here is is a lot cheaper than say where you are mm -hmm. um but there's just there's not as many people available um and willing to work and uh if if someone is passionate about what it is that you're building um it shouldn't really matter where they are uh, unless unless there's a geographic you know kind of requirement so it started out just very like we're going to take whoever we can find that passes our bar and we don't want to we don't want to put a geographic limit on that um but then it, it then it kind of turned into well we really should be trying to make this work wherever someone is as much as possible because then our talent pool won't be reduced later on um and uh so yeah um, that was that was kind of how we thought about it again not really overthinking it <laughs> but then getting on the whole uh remote first bandwagon um that that meant that we ha we did have to change the way we were thinking about uh, about work uh, even though we, we, we were just starting. Interesting. So how do you, or how have you as a team kind of dealt with the asynchronous idea? Like, do you have people who are truly like 12 hours off or have you guys kind of said like, Hey, we need to have, you know, a stand up meeting once a week or how do you deal with that? Yeah. So, so, <clears throat> so I'll preface this by saying like this works for us. Mm -hmm. It 
doesn't work for all teams. And I think that it's important. The, the most important thing is to be cognizant that a system that someone else uses may not be right for you all. Mm -hmm. So um, if, so what, what, what we have is we, we have, we have a daily standup uh, as part of our kind of normal operating procedure. Uh, and so that is that standup moves depending on when, when people are available. So the most recent change, it moved to about 1230 UK time to accommodate uh, different team members in uh, traveling to South America and New Zealand. Um, but, um, and we also, uh, we had experimented, like we had different team members based in different areas, uh, but because of their own internal uh, schedules, we found that, 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 that those time zones didn't really work. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of going forward, we're thinking of the primary time zones that we'd be looking at is like plus or minus four hours. Okay. The people that are beyond that have worked with us for a while and they also are okay, like they prefer working either late at night and that's part of the reason why they want to work with us uh, or, or they, um, they're not needed at, at certain other times. So the big challenge that we have is because most of, most of our teams are obviously a development team, it's not like one person being responsible for one um, element. So it's not like we have um, the iOS guy and uh, the Android lady and, yeah. you know, um, by features, there are a lot of dependencies. And so if you're talking about true asynchronous working, it's obviously possible, but it actually, it's very difficult to get into a proper rhythm if you are completely uh, asynchronous and you don't have a mechanism to like solve problems as they come up because you'll finish something, like I'll finish something, I'll hand it over to you and I'll go to sleep. And then you'll get that thing and then realize that something wasn't configured right or it wasn't clear or, or maybe something uh, wasn't completed or there was a bug or whatever. So you have to send it back to me. And then I'll wake up and then see that and say, oh, okay, and I'll fix it and I'll go back. And you've wasted, you've wasted three or four days already if you're talking about like true asynchronicity, if that's even a word. Um, it is now. Whereas, <laughs> whereas if you had mechanisms whereby there was overlap time and there was time when you could just quickly hop on a call, hey, I, I, I'm confused by this. You could have solved that in like 10 minutes. And so we were kind of going through, through, through that uh, with, with different stages and, and found, found a balance hmm. of, um, of regular communication and regular, like that, those calls are really important because just, just so that you know that there's someone else that is there, right? Um, and, and we found that uh, even those that prefer to work asynchronously were, were starting to at least, at least say that they were valuing the calls. Um, there were some people that were working that we work with that really didn't like um, communication and they were just looking for something else. And so we, we had to make like the decision of saying, you know what, we're, we're actually going to stick with this, this relatively regular, but brief communication. Um, and we could do a hell of a lot better, but that's generally the balance that we've, that we struck so far. That makes sense. I think I'm going to really start tracking this when I talk to people. Cause I was thinking like, ah, oh, that's what I've seen too, but I do have a limited experience and mine is mostly with uh, virtual assistants located, whether it's um, Philippines, uh, South America, Eastern Europe type of thing. Um, and then the people I've talked to, it's generally kind of completely like 12 hours off or they have a team close by. And so I think this is interesting and I like the idea of overlap. One of my partners has done that for years where he sets aside an hour for kind of admin work in the morning and will then tell his virtual assistants, hey, this is the hour you have to talk to me. You have to be online at these times. And then that way he also limits the distractions. But then he kind of helps build that culture too, which I think is important. And hey, you know, we're working for a real person. It's a real business. This isn't 
just some kind of, you know, operation that might not exist or something. So. And, and, and a lot of our decisions are down to like everybody agreeing or coming up with it together. So I'm, I certainly do not take credit for saying, Hey guys, maybe we should do it this way. We, we had been working through like a, an issue. It usually it'll, it'll, it'll stem from this issue. Um, a week after when the sprint ends, we're like, right. So that really didn't work. <laughs> why, why didn't it work? Well, this person didn't know this and this person didn't know this. And so, okay, well, what are the possible ways that we can solve that? Okay, maybe another call would be, would be helpful um, versus my concern is that we're on too many, too many calls and I hate calls. So it, it, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of it is trial and error. And if you're open to doing that and if your team's open to doing that, you, you can get fatigued with trial and error and trying out different things. Mm-hmm. And definitely, you know, we, we probably got fatigued at certain points. But if there's buy-in and if there's uh, uh, um, understanding that actually, you know what, I need this as a call. Uh, I, I find value in this. And you respect each other's boundaries. So, you know, stand-ups cannot last an hour. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, enforcing use of things like parking lots and, and, and stuff like that um, is really important. Um, and we we try and make it fun and and and, and a bit silly in terms of like uh, including um, development and non-development uh, team members. So everybody's on that standup, and de- like uh, developers will have to ask non-developers what it is that they're working on, what challenges they're 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 going for, um, and vice versa. So we're 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 small enough where we can do that, and I don't see why someone wouldn't be doing that. It's just that like um, uh, yeah, but, but we're. Uh, we're always kind of thinking of of ways to 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 empower our team to just work better. So it's not about like you have to be on at this time or, or not. It's just like all right, you're moving. So what times are going to work best for us? All? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. I think uh, a lot of friction comes up with what I've seen with people who are just maybe making a first hire, things like that, where they uh, I'm not sure where exactly it comes from. I I'm, I'm definitely don't want to lay this on like the four hour work week or something. But the idea that I can just hire someone, they can work remotely, and we don't interact. And that to me is generally a false, you know, assumption. And, and whether I, I, it's I, I, or, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think it depends though. Like, you know, it, cer- it certainly depends. Like if you, if, if it's you and one other person yeah. and the, and the tasks are very, like very specific, um, that's, you know, that, that's fine. And, 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 and some people really, uh, especially people who work in, in, in development, um, and who who work remotely actually like that. They don't like being in meetings, and that's one of the reasons why they don't want to work. Why don't want to work in an office? So you have to respect that. It's just that you also have to respect that that doesn't work for everything or for all the types of of stuff that you're doing, especially when you have multiple dependencies or you have like you know an agile team. If you're talking about that, um, and uh, more communication or or at least clarity in terms of what it is that you're working on is really important to like kind of get disciplined at. And so the more disciplined you can do that, whatever that is, whatever that yeah. uh, cadence is, as people say, um, whatever that is, uh, as long as you become religious about it. And by religious, I mean, you know, you say that you're going to do it all the time. You pretend that you're doing it all the time. You don't do it all the time. You feel really guilty because you're not doing it all the time. <laughs> you know, as lo- so as long as you're doing, as long as you're being religious about something, then I think like that pushes you in the right direction or nudges you in the right direction. Gotcha. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's a great analogy. Uh, so you've talked about how you guys go about doing this a little bit. Do you have, and most people I'm assuming take bits and pieces, but have you, what like frameworks or tools or ideas or people have you copied from um, when, you know, whether it's tools you use for your teams or how you do these standups or the schedule you follow? I mean, is there any sort of framework that you have or some big pieces you borrow? Yeah, sure. So a uh, couple things. 
in terms of tools, we pretty much we've tried pretty much everyone under the sun, and so uh, and 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 our team members are probably like exhausted from trying trying new things. So uh, we decided that we just go back to Trello and and use that until we until it broke, like until the process broke. And so uh, so yeah, we use Trello. Um, we do uh, like two week sprints. Uh, had played around with one week sprints, but do two week sprints uh, starting uh, uh, on a Wednesday, ending on a Tuesday to try and not encourage like Friday overwork. Um, we, um, just like, real quick, I'm curious too on the sprints, ha having not really done that before, how do you guys structure that? Do you have like on the Wednesday, if you start on that, is that a day where you kind of, do you have a planning for it or is the planning cycle outside of the sprint? Yeah. So, um, Wednesday will be the kind of, uh, sprint planning. And again, that's like midday, uh, UK time. So there's a bit of time like in the morning that might have stuff for wrapping up. So, um, well, planning takes place on Tuesday uh, after our retro. Uh, then we say like, what what should we be working on? And then like our 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 kind of project manager, if you, if if you want to call him that, um, uh, takes all of those ideas and then kind of presents a draft set of things that you're going to be that that we're all going to be working on and the objectives. And then Wednesday, it's 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 kind of going through all of those things, making sure that those are still. Uh, that everyone like has buy-in and uh, for those things are, are, are those still actually relevant um, after he was talking to stakeholders talking to um, uh, each of the development team and then they go through and um, like uh, count the complexity for each and uh, keep a track of complexity points for for each um, kind of task that they're looking to achieve the next sprint and uh, getting to a point of knowing where someone's ability and capacity lies. It's not about like making sure you maximize your amount. It's much, you know, if, 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 you, if you're going to be able to accomplish 30 and you have 40 um, uh, on, your, on your Trello cards, uh, you know, it's then uh, a conversation where, okay, what are we taking off your plate to make sure that you can, you can stay at 30? So that happens on the Wednesday. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, and then it just kind of keeps going. Gotcha. And then, uh, so why the two weeks versus the one week? I guess, like, what broke or what made you move to that direction? To be honest, it was it was a preference by our development team. Mm -hmm. um, just thinking that one week didn't have as much an opportunity to drive something specifically forward. Uh, we were also, so we, we've been going for about two and a half years. And uh, in that time, we've basically rebuilt the platform. We've had to rebuild the platform uh, three times. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of that time, like our most recent, and every time we, we reduced the time that we had to rebuild it based off of feedback, based off of users, um, based off of a whole bunch of different things. And uh, so because of that, a lot of, a lot of work had been working on multiple different features at once or different elements at once rather than um, succinct feature building, which is, which is the cadence that we'd like to now get into, you know, the, the platform's now built. So um, when our funding comes through, we then start, it will then start again. Um, but, but have it much more focused on a, on a, a specific feature. Um, whereas before what we did is we had a sprint source, uh, sprint story, like that's how we've been, been kind of uh, approaching it now uh, in writing, like in normal speak, this is what is going to have to, uh, is going to be able to be done. Um, a user, we usually use Star Trek names. Um, uh, Deanna Troy is going to be able to talk to, to, to Will Riker and, and be able to accomplish X, Y, and Z. And then each of those things are then broken down. And mid-sprint, we have a check-in 
where we go through and we like test it. So we say, is this possible? Yes, no. Is this possible? Yes, no. Mm. So we have like a little, a little bit of a tester, but it's written in like normal English rather than, you know, three fourths of all the tickets are still in, are, are haven't been worked on yet. So to answer the question, it's because of preferences. Um, at crunch times, we might we, we sometimes switch to a week if okay. we just like, need to get need to get certain things done. But it's something that we're still not sure about. I think there are benefits and drawbacks to 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 both two weeks and and one week. And I think it's it's just not something that we've like focused on aside from what do you guys like the best. Okay. And then personally, how do you, do you follow any sort of a framework? Do you, uh, you know, for either personal or for your own kind of business overview, do you work on, uh, you know, 90 day, one month, one year? Do you have any personal preference or do you not really follow that? Uh, no. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, but so personally, in terms of like personal goals, like, so company goals, we do, we do have like specific goals, targets, and mm -hmm actually just deliverable dates. I mean, I know that that's, that's something that people don't like, like due dates. Um, but we, you know, we, we had uh, goals for each like milestone of the projects. Um, and this is why that milestone is very important. Um, so when we do set deadlines, they are really important deadlines. Yeah. Um, I, I find that if you do set a deadline and it's kind of an arbitrary deadline, it never really is achieved. And it also just it means that all anytime you set a deadline later on, you you have diminishing returns in terms of like overall respect, your respect for that deadline. Okay. So when you are going to set one, it's like really important and really, you know. Is that why you said like people don't, or they're not liking deadlines? Is, do you just mean like if you're just setting arbitrary deadlines to set a deadline? Yeah, so okay. so you're, 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 you're going to finish some feature and it's going to be ready at Tuesday at three o'clock. Because it's, like, yeah. it's not, no, of course not. Yeah, yeah, because, because, but, but if you, if you work your way backwards and saying like, well, this is the sprint goal. The reason why the sprint goal needs to tick off all these things by this date is because otherwise it will knock us back and back and back because gotcha. our overall milestone for producing version three is uh, at the end of February because of these reasons. Um, and but personally, in terms of like uh, how I conduct my own kind of tasks is if, if that's the question, um, it's yeah i don't know if that's a question or not but, yeah, but let's go with it yeah because it's open-ended okay. i'm curious i was curious about both but i know some people blend them together some people like to keep them completely separate so whichever works um so our our corporate goals are we have like our um our north star like our our metrics that we like our, our we, have, we have a couple of kind of key metrics and we have our north star metrics so like stickiness and we want to drive that upwards um, and uh, we will go through periods where we will set like three month goals. So for, for three months, we said we wanted to increase our weekly active user base by 10% uh, week on week minimum um, for a period of three months, sustain it for three months. And we ended up averaging about 17% week on week growth, which is great. But again, those were kind of arbitrary goals because we wanted to see it was, it was drawn, it was um, tied to a very specific test. Um, so like they were arbitrary goals, but the test was, uh, is there actually a, um, uh, a type of user that we're going after the, and the way that we're going to evidence that is by arbitrarily setting this, this target. Um, it, it's not as like scientific or, or, or organized as like, um, OKRs. Uh, I, I don't, just don't think we're there yet in terms of a, as a, as a company and, um, as a typical startup, pre-revenue startup, we have we have rarely had two months 
more than two months of runway over the past like you know two years so it's it's been it's been like quite uh uh up and down in terms of like availability for even knowing what kind of resources available to reach those targets um so uh but that hasn't that doesn't mean that we don't have like uh targets or goals it's just they are they're milestone based rather than like productivity based gotcha and real quick i'm not familiar with the term what is okr so objective and key results. Okay. Um, it's like a, so it's a framework uh, where, um, I'm gonna butcher it, but <laughs> people can look it up. Um, okay. But, uh, but uh, you, you, you go through these, um, it usually looks like a table, uh, and uh, let's say you, you're running a department or a unit or something in a, in a mm -hmm. company. And usually it's done every quarter, uh, and you set up an objective for the, 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 the team. And then uh, you have the indicated key results of, of uh, to show you that that objective has been met. So the objective shouldn't be something like, you know, make 10,000 um, extra in MRR, right? It, it, the, the objective should be something like um, uh, our customers are really happy with this service. And a key result is our NPS score is, is consistently above X number and um, uh, we've gotten uh, less than 20% of our, our reviews or negative reviews, I don't know, whatever it is. And, and uh, you, you create a framework like that and so that, that uh, everything then that everybody's doing on your team should be going towards one of those key results and anything else isn't worth doing. So um, that's, that's something that like teams especially, I think Google coined it, or, 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 or started it, or no, no, they popularized it from IBM, or something like that. Um, people listening uh, will probably get really upset for me. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's a framework that people can use, especially if you're managing um, a team or multiple teams. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that it does require a, a good amount of planning to do it properly. Um, and, uh, and in order to have that, that kind of headspace, you also need like some things known you know, like, yeah. you know, whether or not you're going to be the same size in six months or whether or not you're going to have to increase your team, uh, you know, a huge amount. So does that delay when it is that you're going to be starting on OKRs? Um, another thing that we use, I don't know if it's, if it's relevant, but you were, you were, you were talking about like processes and, and, and tools and stuff mm -hmm. earlier. So a couple of quick like little tools that we use to manage our kind of remote team. Um, one is, I think it was Zapier, the guys at Zapier that, that, that wrote about it, but if one person's remote, everybody's remote. So if, if, it's, if it's me, you, and then I have three people like in the same room as me, we are all on our laptops and we are all on the Zoom call. So, um, so nobody, you don't, you don't have like one person within like a, a set of four people in a room. You're not the extra person, everybody's remote. Um, sounds simple, but it makes a huge difference, especially when you're talking to uh, like maybe one person that's that's overseas, uh, but everybody else is is in town. So like that's that's one thing that we do. Another thing we do is radical candor. If you've if you've heard of that, that's um that's an approach of um uh, it's a language that people can use to uh, to communicate their feelings and how they are taking feedback and how they're receiving fee feedback. So um you know there's there are these quadrants I can. Can send it to you if you want again. Um, but radical candor is a really great uh, framework for uh, encouraging honest feedback, but also um, uh, making people feel comfortable uh, telling you, especially if you're in a position of power, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. 
being able to have language to tell you when they are feeling like you, uh, uh, you are not kind of um, uh, providing the right kind of feedback to okay. them. Um, gotcha. Basically and, being able to do criticism, somehow get the feedback that you need without them feeling like you're, they're gonna get squashed. Sure, sure. So like if, if you were giving me feedback and you were, um, and you were saying something like, you know, you're doing a fantastic job. You're really doing a fantastic job. Do you think that maybe though you could do this one little thing a little bit better? I would be able to then tell you, say, Adam, you know, that's, you're being manipulatively insincere with me right now. You are, you are trying to, uh, um, you know, make me feel a certain way when you just want to say, this is wrong. Gotcha. Like so I'm going to um, guess then using the compliment sandwich is not a part of uh, radical. No, it's just, it's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a polite way of calling it. I haven't called, I haven't heard it called a compliment sandwich before. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, 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 exactly. But it, it's around getting, it, it, it's, it's fundamentally about respect. You know, it, it, me, me trying to, to do a compliment sandwich to you is just, is actually me not respecting you uh, being able to take the feedback. So I have not, I, I, if I don't respect you enough for you to be an adult and take what it is that I'm saying, then why am I working with you, you know, or why are you working with me? So, so it's, 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 it's about, uh, it's about just giving, giving language, uh, to allow people to work in a way that makes sure that you know that, look, look, I respect you and I want you to do very well. And I think the most efficient way of doing that is by providing this feedback, not in a mean way or in a cruel way, uh, just in a, in a way to, to help you get past whatever barrier you're, you're facing. And like you said, that goes both ways, right? I assume it's, uh, exactly. both, it goes into, yeah. So I think that that's interesting too, because um, it, it's clearly important that the information flows both ways. So uh, Absolutely. There's something else uh, I wanted to ask you about with this um, because clearly you've got a lot of experience with teams. If you could either talk to yourself years ago or you were talking to someone who's getting started and maybe you know hiring someone part-time or just starting to understand, oh, I really do need to build a team so that I could you know, do X, Y, or Z better. What kind of, uh, you know, this is really open-ended, but do you have any advice? Is there anything where you're like, you know, these are the one, two, or three things that really would have saved me a lot of time or blood, sweat, and tears if I would have known this? I think actually like the radical candor framework and, and, and things around that is really, is way, it's more important than you think, especially starting out young. I, you know, uh, probably get in trouble, but like I'm half Catholic, I'm half Jewish. So the amount of guilt and uh, that I feel on a daily basis is, you know, off the charts, but, but that, that's, that's why, like whenever I'm interacting with someone, I don't want them to feel bad. So the, 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 so I, I pretty much never gave like negative feedback. It would always be like, how can I help you figure out that maybe you should improve? And that was, that was wrong. And it was really, uh, it, it, it wasn't healthy and it, it wasn't, it, it didn't show me, I, I, I didn't even realize that I wasn't respecting the person, the other person um, by not being honest with them. Um, so, you know, that was either manipulatively insincere or, or ruinous empathy. That's another kind of quadrant um, the, of, of radical candor. So I think, I think going back to myself and saying that is really important. The other thing is there's this, there's this other tool that we use. Uh, we call it guides guide to me. Um, other people call it user manuals, um, and if you search for for those, you can see a couple of of, um, of articles. But basically, it's it's a prompt. It's a set of prompts about how I work, what I don't have patience for, 
um, how you can help me. And the, the, the point is trying to just make sure that you articulate how, how you work and how, uh, how you hear feedback and how you, um, uh, how you work best um, so that I, I can read that, learn something about you, Adam, and uh, know that, uh, you know what, providing feedback over the phone, you really don't like. You like it written down. You like it. You don't like long meetings. All that kind of stuff. It's yeah. things that you don't necessarily actually ask. Um, so uh, and and you and, and you you have blind spots because your way of doing things might be completely different to other people's. So um, so actually, I, I, we we have everybody do that, especially when they start working with us. In in as as much as we can in any capacity. So just to try and make sure that we understand them, but also for them to read read that. So I think asking a little bit more about how someone works. Um, at the very beginning is, is really important. Um, so yeah, those two things, I think I yeah. would tell myself. That's a good one. And I'm going to have to dive into the, the radical candor. I think that's going to be one. I've touched on it, just not with from that exact uh, framework, though. But I think that that is a great way. And like you said, just getting into that mindset ahead of time of, I think it's a, a communication, effective communication, and respecting people's time as well. And just saying, I'm not here to waste your time. I don't want you wasting mine. I respect my time kind of both ways and approaching it from that way exactly. instead of saying there's something wrong it's just like no i want to more effectively yeah communicate. yeah 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 and it, so if if people haven't heard of it it's it's by uh, so the kim scott uh wrote it uh as a book there's also a pretty good podcast if you just want to get into that and they do oh, cool. they talk about they they have pretty good um like case studies and and talking through things i assume it's called radical candor but yep radical okay. candor yep. <laughs> yeah awesome. Uh, well, a little bit of a, a shift here. Um, I was talking with Rob uh, uh, before we hopped on and started recording, and I have looked at uh, some of his info, and I loved what I found because I found out that you could book to uh, go take a walk with him if you're uh, co-located in the area. So I'm not going to give away uh, where that's at, but I love it. I love going for a walk. I find that this is a really common uh, factor. So I'm just curious, you know, when did you uh, start doing this and kind of what, you know, what have you gotten out of it going for walks with people? Um, so, I mean, I, I, I've only just actually put it up as an option for people like to randomly book, uh, it, but it, it's mo mostly when someone writes to me and says, hey, can I get your, get some time for some advice? I'll, I'll sometimes say, okay, is there a place that makes you most comfortable to meet? Um, otherwise, we can go for a walk uh, in like, you know, a public park or something like that. Um, I, I find that, that especially when... Uh, in, in, in my guide to me, right, um, being very clear about what you want from me helps me kind of uh, compartmentalize and make sure that I'm not wasting your time. So if somebody actually writes, I hate the phrase, uh, can I pick your brain? Because I, that doesn't tell me anything. And it means that we're going to have a several hour chat where we discuss nothing at all. So I, I really find that frustrating. But if someone were to say, hey, I'd love to brainstorm an idea with you. Or I'd like to get your feedback on a particular thing. Or I don't know what to do with my life, and 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 I just want I just want to 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 talk. Yeah. Um, I find that that walking around just brings the 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 conversation out a bit more. It means that like someone doesn't have to make eye contact with you if they don't want to. Some people find that very awkward. Um, I also you know I I definitely have. Uh, uh, if I'm on the phone to you, chances are I'm walking around and pacing. I just find that a little bit. It helps me helps me think, and so just giving someone that option uh, means that you don't have like the kind of social pressures that 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 are there when you're talking about a coffee shop or or even coming into someone's office. Um, so it's really just an option for 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 people to have to uh, to make it a little bit more relaxed, and especially like longer walks. You know, if we're if we're walking for an hour and a half, 
or, or then you're going to get tired. <laughs> and so you're, you're probably going to want to then wrap up the conversation. <laughs> so I'm fine with it, but you know, um, that's great. That's a good way of, 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 of having a natural thought. Yeah, no, that's good. And is this something you do on your own? You know, if you were like, Hey, I need some time. I want to think, I just want to yeah. kind of consider stuff. Do you just go out on a walk yeah. on your own? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I, and I also like, uh, we'll, we'll look like a, like, like someone, um, who might be a bit off, uh, I'll talk to myself <laughs> uh, all the time. Hey, whatever um, gets and <laughs> Exactly, yeah, yeah. Going on a walk uh, and especially doing loops around like the same, the, the, like, the same place, um, just, just talking through a specific situation. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I find that a really great way to, especially before having to do some form of deep work. I find like personally I have two modes. I have either uh, like admin work or deep work. Admin work I hate, but I, I, I actually enjoy when I have something to distract me uh, from it. So like I can sit down and get through a hell of a lot of admin work and put on an episode of something in the background, but I can't do that at all for deep work. And, and I find the best way to maximize the deep work of, of creating something is um, by either taking a break in the middle and going for a walk or, or going for a walk beforehand and kind of um, uh, focusing myself in terms of what it is that I want to achieve uh, for that like session, if that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good one. I haven't applied it that way myself, but uh, yeah, I definitely love taking walks. It clears my mind. I love not having the distractions, even though I've, I'm trying to get out of the habit of walking with my phone, but I still like it because I can jot down notes. I just try to not pick it up and randomly look at it, but it's been great. And I'm a runner. So it, years ago, I was like, oh, I'll go for a run and think. And it took me a while to figure this out. But all I do when I run is like think the same thing over and over and over again. And I was like, wow, I actually have to walk in order to have these like deeper conversations with myself. It's been a, uh, a fun path. So we got time for a couple more questions. Um, I wanted to touch on this with you. You know, we talked about this with Kendaba that you have co-founders. Um, it's uh, not always the normal route for people to take. It's something I've done as well. But what are your thoughts on working with co-founders? Is that something you recommend to people? Or is there a certain way you recommend kind of doing it or anything around that? Yeah, uh, so I, I think, and again, I sound like the the tired economist here, but the the answer is it depends. It depends yeah. on what on 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 you. It depends on what it is that you want to build, and it also depends on where you get your sense of validation. So, like that's 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 definitely something that I certainly struggle with of of making sure I'm validated in whatever it is that I'm doing. I, I have this this need for uh, for someone else to think that I'm doing a good job, and that's you know that that certainly holds me back in terms of some of the things that I focus on, but. Um, it also is helpful when making sure that it's not just you thinking of some crazy idea. Uh, someone else shares responsibility and the blame for coming <laughs> yes. up with a, with a stupid idea as well, right? Um, but so my approach has been um, I, I do enjoy working with other people, and I find that I work better when I have other people to bounce ideas off of and also to, like, coach and help them get better at whatever it is that they're doing. So like if, if, if we were ha having, having a meeting and you were really struggling about uh, with something, I actually am like, that's great. Let's do, let's do this. Let me help you like unpick that. And through unpicking that with you, I'll probably have solved like 20 issues that I've been having as well. Um, just, you know, through that kind of process. So uh -huh. I think co-founders are, are uh, the co-founders are a real strength. Yes, they are important in some cases when you're going for investment and people want to see, you know, evidence of different skill sets. Um, but approaching them, it's like just just having a co-founder, like that's not that's not it. And I think a lot of people get 
either get worried uh, about relinquishing control um, or they get worried about someone else not pulling their weight or they're worried about the equity conversation or all that kind of stuff. And, um, and that can be intense, but the, the, the solution is not surprising. It's to talk about it and to talk about it really early. And I think that's one thing that we did very well uh, from, um, so from the beginning, we had the kind of weird conversations that you, you uh, don't expect to have, to have to have, so mm. that wouldn't be an issue for us later on. So like, hey, what if someone rocked up tomorrow and offered us 10 million for this company? Um, neither of us have ever had 10 million before. 10 million from a startup perspective doesn't sound like that much, but money is money and money does weird things to people. So let's game this out. Like, what would, what would you say? Like what, you know, how do you feel? What do you want out of this? What kind of life do you want to live? What happens if one of us gets hit by the bus? What, what happens to the shares? Do the shares go to our, our, our husband or wife or, or significant other or parents, or do they get, go back to the company? Might as well talk about this because then we'll, you know, what if one of us has a baby? What happens? You know, yep. like those kind of things. If you're tackling that at, a very, at the very beginning of, of the relationship, it might sound like overkill, but it means that you, you're forming more trust you're, you're, you're building more trust. You're being, being more honest about what it is that you want to get out of this. And it also means that when something like that happens, even if it's a small little thing, when something like that happens later on, you don't, you already have a basis from which to either disagree, like, hey, my thinking's changed, mm-hmm. or say, hey, we don't have to worry about this because we, we know it already. Um, so I, I feel 100% like- 100% agree with this. I think and yeah. another way that this is really important is just- You have co-founders, right? So like- yeah, well, just yeah. having that conversation opens the door to let you see and other people to see you. Are you going to be a good fit? Because if you can't even have this conversation, exactly. that is exactly. a huge red flag. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like some founders will <laughs> go on a walk with me to say, I'm really <laughs> struggling. I'm really struggling with this, with, with this person. I don't know whether or not I should keep them on as a co-founder or, or whatever. And, and, and it takes a lot of mental energy to be like, oh my gosh, this person does this and it's so irritating and this is so irritating. But when you do ask, like, okay, so what does that person say when you bring this up? Like, oh, well, I, I haven't brought it, up, brought it up with them, you know? And, you, and you, you have to kind of jump into, like, it is a bit like relationship counseling, right? But, like, the healthiest, the healthiest relationships are the ones that uh, are not the ones that are all rosy. It's the ones where, com- you know, uh, communication is really great. But it's also the one where you bring, in, you bring that kind of respect of vulnerability to someone else. So, like, if... if if, a, if one of my co-founders said, hey, you did this the other day and it made me really upset and I know that it shouldn't matter, but it really affected me and I don't really know why, um, but I just wanted to let you know that. If I hear that, that's amazing to hear, regardless of what it was, yeah. regardless of how I felt to do it. The fact that that person has the res- has, respects me enough to, to articulate how they were feeling, like that to me is the sign that you are, that you are a really strong relationship. Um, and, 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 and it's something that you need to kind of foster and, and, and encourage. And so the sooner, the sooner that you can do that, the better uh, when thinking about co-founders. Oh, that's a great point. I think that's a whole subject onto itself. So yeah, I have to uh, try to get you back on the show sometime and just dive down that rabbit hole. Uh, well, before we wrap it up, I do have one last question for you, uh, Rob. And, you know, what book do you find yourself or it could be an article, whatever it is, recommending the most to people right now? So... Um, I think probably, especially for those who are interested in, uh, like, um, in startups and potentially in co-founders in this kind of in, in this kind of area, mm-hmm. there's this book called uh, "The Founders' Dilemmas." Okay. Uh, 
I'm just pulling it up right now. So it's, it's by this guy, uh, Noam Wasserman, uh, and it talks about uh, like control-oriented people and wealth-oriented uh, uh, people. And it kind of breaks down a few, and it uses, it uses case studies, and I love, I love case studies, to, to showcase different types of founders. Um, and it also just goes through some of these scenarios that you, you've kind of heard about, but you don't really know what it means. So like the equity conversation and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but it gives you just a few good, uh, good psychoanalytical little tools for you to not only kind of uh, assess yourself, but also think about like the managers that you've, that you've had in the past or, the, the, um, uh, or, or giving you a starting point to have that conversation with a potential co-founder about how, you know, what it is that they want. Um, and so I definitely recommend that if you're interested in, in starting a company and um, think that it might require like some investment um, or, uh, or a co-founder, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fun read. So that would be my suggestion. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. And, and for the background on that, I appreciate it. I know it helps people when they're, you know, they hear these and it's good to hear a little bit about why the book was chosen. So thanks yeah. for that. And uh, thank you for hopping on today. This has been really cool. Um, like I said, I'm definitely going to try to get you back on sometime. We got a lot more we can cover. But again, thank you very much for spending the time here today. Uh, you no know, worries. people want to dive in a little bit more or get in contact with you or, uh, you know, fly over and go for a walk with you. Uh, where should they uh, go to get some more information? Uh, so I'm on Twitter uh, at thisisgelb. Um, or you can, you can shoot me an email. Uh, you can find it pretty much anywhere if you just search. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably easiest. Sounds good. All right, well, this will wrap it up. Thanks again, and looking forward to talking to you next time. All righty. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real World Productivity Podcast. If you know someone that would enjoy this episode, please grab the link and send it via email, message, or whatever means works best. Now, if you're looking for more ways to increase your productivity, time management, and team building skills, be sure to go to productivity.academy resources to find out what tools, cheat sheets, and services can get you started and make the most impact right now. For those who want to make fast changes and want to save dozens of hours, I highly recommend joining the 14-day Productivity Foundation Challenge at productivity.academy foundation challenge. This 14-day challenge takes minutes per day but will help you develop or improve your daily review to get more done with less distractions and loss of focus. You'll also get over-the-shoulder directions for setting up an automation to save dozens of hours and the process for deciding what else you should automate and how to do it. And if you're serious about continuous improvement and you know that productivity, time management, and team building will impact every area of your personal and professional life, join us in the Growth Automation Membership. Find out more at productivity.academy/join.